Well, good morning. Good to be with you this morning here in sunny Launceston. Man, you guys know how to turn on the weather. It's amazing. In Melbourne today, it is uh, raining, we're expecting snow, and so it's going to be horrible over there. So it's great to be in you know, sunny Launceston and enjoying this sunshine. Although Tim did point out that those mountains out the back here are covered in snow. That's amazing. So gorgeous. So gorgeous to be down here. Well, today we're going to continue uh, the series that, um, that Jono started last week on emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, but just before we sort of launch in there, just so you know a little bit about me and Leanne, uh, we have been in ministry for numbers of years. In fact, I think I started uh, ministry at uh, Careforce Church. May- maybe some of you might know uh, Alan Meyer, who ran the Careforce Life Keys uh, ministries uh, across Australia and internationally. So we were on his staff for uh, seven years before we moved to Crossway. And then Leanne and I were both on staff again at Crossway, me as executive pastor, Leanne as uh, started off as young adults pastor and then broadened out to children and families ministry. And then uh, obviously we moved to City Life uh, a little while ago, a couple of years ago, and I took on the role of senior minister there and Leanne was our generational ministries pastor. So we both have a passion for people and we both have a passion for the church. And particularly we have a passion for seeing the church, the people of God, become emotionally healthy and become all that God wants them to be. And so this is such an important series that you guys are embarking on. And the reason that it's important is because God's intention is that we grow up into mature men and women transformed by the indwelling presence of Christ. We honour our parents, culture and histories, but Pete Scazzaro, the author of this book, says... We obey God. That's the important thing. And so important. So, in order to grow spiritually into the men and women that God wants us to be, it's really essential that we face the stuff from the past. Maybe the stuff that's taken place in our past. Maybe the stuff that we don't necessarily even want to think about in our past or from our past. But, you know, it's actually really important that we go back, that we go back into our past in order to face some of the stuff that has been there, in order that we could move forward into the future that God has for us. Now, I want to start with a bit of a survey this morning. And that is, I want to find out from you, when you, uh, when you go home at, at night, maybe you'll go home after church, you drive your cars um, from here, I assume, to your houses. How many of you, just raise your hands, how many of you drive straight into your driveway and into your gar- or into your garage? Like you drive forwards into your garage or into your driveway. Just put your hands up if you drive forwards in. Okay, that's good. Excellent. Now, how many of you, on the other hand, back into your garage or into your driveway? Okay, a lesser number. Do you know those people who you drive into your garage and you drive into your driveway front on... Do you know every day you start your day going backwards in order to go forwards? (laughs) You go backwards in order to go forwards. Like you back out of your driveway and then you drive forwards down the... I'm hoping you drive forwards down the street. You do drive forwards down the street, don't you, here in Tasmania? Yeah, okay, that's good. Excellent. And so you drive backwards in order to go forwards. Now, I know that there are some of us, maybe a minority of us, who do drive backwards into our garage. And I don't know why some people do that. In fact, there's a guy in uh, in Geelong, um, you know, the other 
sort of city around Melbourne. Um, there's a guy in Geelong, and his name is Mr. Paparazzi. He used to be the mayor of Geelong, and he actually owns a place in Geelong. And actually, Leanne and I were driving around Geelong one day when we were down there, and we drove past this place, and you can't miss his house. You can't actually miss his house because he has at the front of his house a massive garage which he has over the top of it a nameplate called The Stables. Now, the reason he calls the garage The Stables is he parks his two red Ferraris with the prancing horses on the front of them, obviously. And so he parks his Ferraris in his garage, but he backs them in. Now, I don't know why people do back into their garage. Maybe they don't want to start the day going backwards before they go forwards. Maybe they just want to go forwards all the time. And that is our temptation as people. Our temptation is to never deal with our past. You know, it's like, leave it behind, just, just leave it all behind us. You know, let's just keep pressing forward. Let's go further, faster, forward all the time. Let's get, you know, better and faster and further ahead and, and go higher and higher. You know, we don't want to deal with what's behind us. But in order to be emotionally healthy, in order to grow as the disciples of Jesus and become the people he wants us to be, we need to go backwards in order to go forwards. And I don't think there's anywhere in Scripture that this is better seen than in a passage where Jesus encounters Peter, and it's recorded in the Gospel of John. Now, I want to give you a bit of context before we go there this morning, because this particular passage takes place after Jesus has been resurrected. And so he's appeared to Mary at the tomb, and then to the disciples, and then to Thomas, the Bible says, who doubted that he had risen. But then, Jesus, then John goes on to tell us that in John chapter 21, Jesus is standing on the beach and he calls out to the disciples who have been on the lake fishing. And so in John 21, verse 4 through to 17, the Bible says this, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. But he said, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were, they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who, you are, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Then Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now just imagine this. The disciples have been out all night fishing and they have caught nothing. And then here's Jesus. He's standing on the shore. He's standing on the beach. In fact, we drove past the, 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 the banks of the Tamar River. I could imagine Jesus standing on the banks of the Tamar River this morning, looking out and seeing this fishing boat not far from shore. And he yells out to the disciples in, in, who are in the boat, he yells out to them, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. So they're obviously within earshot of each other. No, they replied. And then this is the second time in their fishing careers that Jesus tells them to throw their nets over the other side of the boat. And of course, what takes place is they catch this huge amount of fish. Well, on seeing that they're catching all these fish, Peter realises, and also because John has just said, it's the Lord, Peter realises that it is Jesus. And so for some reason, now, I don't know if you do this in Tasmania, but we don't do this in Melbourne. When we jump into the water, like out of a boat or something, like normally we'll take garments off to do that. How many of you take, your, like, you know, your clothes, you know, you've got your swimming trunks on and stuff like that, but you take your T-shirt off or, you, you know, you take your sarong off to get into the water. How many of you actually do that? Yes? Okay, you do that. That's good. That's good. Well, Peter, Peter, I don't know why he does this, and the Bible doesn't tell us. He actually puts a garment on. Now, I'm sure he wasn't out fishing naked all night, but I'm sure that there is a reason behind this, but we don't know why it takes place that way. But the Bible says Peter puts a garment on and he jumps into the water and wades to shore. And on arrival at the shore, Peter, who is soaking wet, absolutely drenched from head to toe, walks up the beach and sees Jesus around a charcoal fire cooking breakfast. Now, you might be sitting here this morning saying, wow, that's a really nice story, Andrew. What has that got to do with going backwards in order to move forward. We know the interesting thing about this particular passage is that the Bible tells us this is the second time that Peter stands around a charcoal fire. The first event where Peter, st where Peter stood around one of these charcoal fires was actually on the night when Jesus was betrayed. And Peter had entered into the chief priest's courtyard and was gathered with a group of people and there around a charcoal fire. And the Greek word that is used in the New Testament is the same in that passage in John 17 as what it is here in John 21. And so we know it's the same type of fire that, that Peter actually was gathered around. And in that particular instance in the Bible... Peter stands there around this charcoal fire and denies Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. While Jesus is up in the chief priest's uh, residence, he's being accused of all these different crimes and, and Jesus remains silent. Peter is gathered in the chief priest's courtyard and denies Jesus. But it was around this first charcoal fire that a frightened, fearful Peter denied Jesus. 
And this was undeniably one of the most crucial moments and terrible moments in Peter's life. It was a moment when he felt he'd failed, he'd let his friend down, he'd betrayed him, denied him, and even failed him. Now, I know many of us will have been through maybe similar circumstances in life where we've felt we failed. Maybe we've betrayed someone. Maybe we've let someone down. Maybe we have denied something that has happened in our lives. See, we've all been through those types of situations in life. But this was Peter's moment, which impacted him to such a great extent and left Peter in such anguish, and I have no doubt, full of shame, full of guilt, full of anxiety, embarrassment, and no doubt wondering if he'd blown it forever. Could he ever recover from this? Could he ever forgive himself? Could Jesus ever forgive him? I don't know if any of you have been in a situation like that in your life where you feel like you've blown it forever, where you feel like you are not going to be able to be forgiven. But here's the thing. In order for Peter to be able to move forward and break the power of that past moment, Jesus had to take him back to the same type of charcoal fire in order to see him be able to move into the future that God had for him. And let me say this, it wasn't taking Peter back to this first charcoal fire in order to remind him of what, he'd done, of what he's done. It wasn't to, to cause shame upon him. It wasn't to embarrass him. It wasn't to, you know, put him down. It wasn't to say, see, I told you you'd do that, Peter. It wasn't to point the finger or anything like that. It wasn't to cause him anxiety or fear. It was to be able to move him forward into the future that God had for him. See, Jesus had to take Peter back to that moment in time when he stood around that charcoal fire to be able to move him forward into the destiny and the future that he had for him. And the reason Jesus did that is because Jesus is intentional about the emotional maturity of his disciples. See, he's so serious about this type of transformation that actually this was essential that he take Peter back to that type of fire so that Peter was able to move forward. And here's the thing. Jesus wants us to face the things in our past so we can each step into the future that God has for us. See, if we're going to step into all that God wants us to and face the past, one of the things we have to understand first and foremost is there is going to be some pain involved. Because healing doesn't ever come without some level of pain. How do you think Peter felt when he was walking up the beach and he saw that charcoal fire that reminded him of what he had done in his past? Like, would he have felt pain? Would he have felt anguish? Absolutely. Maybe for us, maybe we've never been in that type of situation, but some of us have had broken bones at, at different times in our lives. And I know that when you've had a broken bone and you have a cast put on your arm uh, in order for it to heal, there's an ache as the healing takes place, yes? There's, there's pain involved. Maybe some of us have had operations in our lives to be able to fix things that are broken in our body. And there is pain involved. I was 30 years old when I had my tonsils removed. 
Now, for those of you who have had your tonsils removed, most people have them removed when they're children. And so actually it doesn't hurt too much. When you're 30, it's terrible experience. It's a terrible experience. And in fact, one of the things that, I don't know whether they still do this, because that's a little while ago, okay? Um, I don't know whether they still do this, but, but when I was um, having my tonsils out, one of the things that they would make me do after I've had this severe operation on my throat to have my tonsils removed, they make you eat toast. And then they made you eat steak. Like, it wasn't enough that, you know, you have ice cream, you know, just to calm the throat and swallow it and, like, let it slide down. No, no, no. You had to chew this steak I don't know whether it, was, whether it was to prove you were worthy enough to have your tonsils out or, or what they were thinking at the time. In fact, I'm, I'm hoping there's no doctors or nurses here, you know, who deal with that sort of stuff. But hopefully they don't do that anymore. But there was pain involved, lots of pain. Like, actually, it was like swallowing razor blades the day after you've had your tonsils out and they make you eat steak. But Schizero says, looking to the past illuminates the present. But he says, make no mistake about it, it's painful. So this was painful for Peter. It was painful because, and, and, and I know that, that sometimes we just don't like facing pain. We don't want to deal with the things of the past. Peter, I am sure, as he walked up that beach, did not want to deal with the stuff that had happened before. It was easier to, you know, try and keep moving forward, to push it under the carpet, to, to keep it over there, not look at it, not deal with it. Because, you know, we're worried about what people will think if they found out what had happened in our past. I mean, maybe we would feel shame for what had happened. Maybe we would feel embarrassed. Maybe we would feel like people want to punish us for what has happened. But here's the thing. God doesn't want to do any of those things as we look at our past. What he wants to do is he wants to bring healing to us so that he can move us forward into the people he's destined us to be. But then here's the second thing. We need to be bold enough to face, to look at the issue and face it. We need to be bold enough to look at the issue. Like, not just, you know, glance and go, oh, no, I'm not going back there. We actually need to turn and look at the issue. I mentioned backing out of your driveway, you know, before at the start of this message. And, you know, when you're backing out of your driveway, I don't know about you, but I use the rear vision mirror, I use the side mirrors, but I also actually turn around and have a look. Well, I did before there was a rear camera, okay, <laughs> to show me what was behind me. But even now, Leanne says, use your rear camera. I can't stop turning around and looking at where I'm going. I, I, I don't know whether that's just me or whether I don't trust the camera, but one of the things that we need to do is we actually have to have a look at what's behind us in order to face it and move forward. You know, for me, I'm one of these people also who I'm known in our house as the dessert king, okay? Confession time, I love desserts, okay? I love anything sweet. And so often, I'm the one who will go and make dessert. And, and I actually really love making chocolate pudding. Anyone like chocolate pudding? 
good, excellent, excellent. And so for me, I love making chocolate pudding. But I, we have you know, the recipe there, and so I'll go to the pantry, I'll start looking through. Inevitably, as I'm making chocolate pudding, I discover that I cannot find something. Like I'll, I'll yell to Leanne and go, Leanne, have we got any brown sugar? I can't find the brown sugar. And you know what she says to me? She's very cheeky. She says, have a girl's look. <laughs> Men, is that okay? Like, really, have a girl's look. Now, I, I mean, I know sometimes I don't look very hard for things. You know, I tend to not move anything. I'll sort of open the pantry and go, yeah, there's no brown sugar. Can't make the chocolate pudding. I'm off the hook. But then she'll say, have a girl's look. And, yep, it's right there where it normally is. But the thing is, when we're doing this, when we're trying to look backwards in order to move forward, trying to break the power of the past, we actually have to have a good look at our lives and say, God, what is it in my past that maybe you need to do something about? Maybe you need to pour ministry on. Holy Spirit, that you need to come and pour your healing balm upon in order that you would break the power of what has taken place in my past and move me forward. You know, as um, Tim said, Leanne and I were uh, on staff at City Life in Melbourne for about two years. And over the last four months, we've actually taken these last four months after stepping out of ministry in that church to really look at and explore some of the things that took place there, deal with some of the things that have really hurt us and taken place in our lives in order for us to move forward into the next season that God has for us. And we don't know what that is. See, when we stepped out of city life, we, don't know, we didn't know what was ahead. We just knew that we couldn't keep doing what we were doing. And there was stuff as a result of that situation that we have had to deal with, we've had to have counselling over, we've had to work through, pray through, talk through and really ensure that we do deal with it so that we don't draw that forward into the next ministry appointment that God has for us. And for you in your situation, I don't know all of you, I don't know your situation, but in a room like this, where we come from various backgrounds and situations, we could have had any number of experiences. Maybe some of us have been affected by our family backgrounds. How do you, and, and how you react and how you deal with things now have come as a result of your family background. Maybe the way that, you know, that you talk to people or interact with people or get angry with people or, or, or suddenly just, you know, shut down even comes from your family background. One of the things I had to deal with really early in our marriage was the fact that I had come from a family with a very strong um, father figure and so I felt like I never measured up as I was growing up, never being good enough. And as a result, I was, obvious, I was often overcome with fear, and often that was actually based around a fear of man, probably because of what took place in my household growing up. See, in my household... I would, you know, want to please my parents, obviously, and so I'd go out and do chores, and, you know, obviously there's a bit of pocket money involved in those days. I think it was like, you know, 50 cents to mow the lawn a week. I mean, it was oh, big money back then, okay? Now you're really showing my age. Now you're really getting my age, aren't you? Yeah, it's bad. Anyway, so I'd go out and mow the lawn, but actually then I'd come inside and I'd hear the lawnmower start, and I'd go, what's going on? 
I said to mum, what's going on? I've mowed the lawn. And I look out the back window and dad's out there re-mowing the lawn. See, I never measured up. I was never felt like I was never good enough. And so I had to work through that sort of stuff. Families can affect us. Our upbringings can affect us. They can affect our emotional health. And we need to break the power of the past over us to continue to, and so that they don't continue to impact our future. But it's not just our family background. It could be our work or our interactions with people or maybe the way that we act or react to people as we try and move forward. See, it could be these wounds from our, fam- from our family events or maybe the past that have impacted you. Maybe you were bullied at school. Maybe you have been bullied at work or had words spoken over you that were terrible, horrible and undeserving. Maybe there's been relationship breakdown because of some type of event that's taken place. And maybe it could have even come from the the way that we reacted in certain situations. Maybe we could have handled them differently. Maybe not in silence or not in anger and certainly not in revenge. Maybe there's been, in a group like this, maybe there's been some sort of abuse that's taken place in your life. And you've never tried to work through that. And let me say, please, in the most pastoral and grace-filled, love-filled environment possible, that any type of abuse is never okay. Physical, emotional, sexual, spiritual abuse, it's not okay. But if you are a survivor of abuse, the thing that we need to do, and I have spoken and dealt with numbers of people in these types of situations, we need to be able to work through, even face some of those things in order to be able to move forward from them. Because we don't want to be defined as a victim for the rest of our lives. We need to be defined as that word describes us as disciples of Jesus and Jesus wants us to continue to move forward and face those issues of our past. But here's the thing. If you are a victim of an, abu- of an abusive situation, you don't have to deal with it on your own. You are a part of an amazing community. A community where people love you and will walk with you, so you never have to walk that journey alone. But you need, we need to face these situations from our past in order to move forward. Whatever those things are in our past, we need to look back and let them be dealt with in order to move forward into the future. And then here's the third thing. The third thing that we need to ask ourselves today is, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? What's stopping you from facing those things in our past. You know, when Peter walked up the beach towards Jesus on that morning and he saw that charcoal fire, I am sure that there would have been a number of feelings and thoughts running through his mind. Huge number of thoughts. Maybe fear was the first thought. Maybe he's fearful of what Jesus is going to do or say or maybe what he thinks of him. 
You know, Pete Scazzaro says, fear of bringing secrets and sin into the light drives many people to prefer the illusion that if they don't think about it, it goes away. The problem is, it doesn't. You know, we can try and push it under the carpet, but realistically, when we keep shoving stuff under the carpet and under the carpet and under the carpet, what happens is actually there becomes a lump under our carpet that we trip over in life continually. And what we need to do is deal with that stuff in order to move forward. Maybe it's a feeling of shame for what we've done. Maybe it's embarrassment because maybe what we have done would be found out. I don't know what you feel when you look back at your past, but when you begin to examine what has taken place in your upbringing, in your background, in your family systems, let me say, when you look back and you bring those things to Jesus, it's not shame, it's not embarrassment, it's not failure or fear, it becomes relief as you begin to lay that baggage that maybe is slowing you down that is holding you back that you have been dragging through life behind you when you lay that in front of Jesus a weight lifts off you as you begin to cast your burden upon him and the process of leaving that stuff behind begins as he takes that burden from us and allows us to start and move forward You know, as Peter stood around that charcoal fire with Jesus, he offered him, Jesus offered him everything he needed. Have some fish, have something to eat, he said. See, Jesus provides everything that we need in that process of restoration. And he will do the same for us. You know, you can keep carrying that baggage or you can carry that bag to Jesus today and leave it with him. And today, I just want us to do a simple exercise of responding to what God has been speaking to us about here in these moments together. And so on your seats today, you'll find this little piece of luggage, baggage. And I know that even as I've been speaking, maybe about some of the situations I've faced or situations that you might have faced, things have come to mind that actually you do want to leave behind today. You want to leave this bag, this piece of baggage at the feet of Jesus. And you know what that is immediately. For some of you, you'll be sitting there going, sure I'm ready to have a look. That's okay. At this point. But ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what that issue is. That he's wanting you to maybe even write down on here over the coming weeks. But for those of you who do know what it is, I just invite you right now in this moment, this prayer-filled environment, where the Holy Spirit is hovering over each one of us, pouring his healing, wanting to start that process. I just want want to invite you to hold this in your hand and maybe write on there somewhere what that thing is that you know that you need to deal with in order 
to become emotionally healthy and break the power of the past over you. Can I pray for you as you do that? Father, in this moment, we bring, we bring this, this stuff to you, Lord God. We choose to face these things today. Or maybe, Lord God, we choose to at least face that there is a process to begin today. And Father, we know that you have our best interests at heart. Lord God, you are the one who created us. You knit each one of us together in our mother's womb, and so we are fearfully, wonderfully made. But Lord God, we acknowledge today that there is stuff in our past that maybe we need to face, and we need to start to face it today in order to move forward to become the people that you're wanting us to be. And so, Father, in this moment, as we take these pens and we write on these bits of paper, we ask, Lord God, that you would come, Holy Spirit, minister amongst us, minister over us. And Father, as we even before took communion, the symbol of the body and the blood of your son Jesus, who died on the cross for us, Lord God, we take these elements, but today, Lord God, we choose to leave the baggage behind at the foot of the cross. And so, Father, today, we write down on these bits of paper what you're wanting us to face. And church, I want to invite you to do something. As we sing in these next few moments, as we sing in these next few moments, I want to begin a powerful moment of a divine exchange in this place where maybe what you've written down you just move forward to the communion table as we sing and just leave these things face down on the table it's almost like this divine exchange we've taken communion the body and the blood of jesus the forgiveness of our sins the symbol of we're disciples of jesus but now we choose to leave the baggage behind at the foot of the cross. Is that okay? So if that's you today, you know what that is, you feel free to do that as we sing. For the rest of us, begin the process. And I pray that the love of God and the peace of Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit be with you as you choose to face the issues of the past. In Jesus' name, let's stand together and let's respond to him. As we and if good night, love.